0: Hi and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This is going to be for Ether chapter 15, so now we're going to finish up the Book of Ether here with this chapter. Verse 1, And it came to pass that Coriantumr had recovered of his wounds. He began to remember the words which Ether had spoken unto him. He saw that there had been slain by the sword already nearly two millions of his people, and he began to sorrow in his heart. Yea, there had been slain two millions of mighty men, and also their wives and their children." To provide some perspective to the magnitude of the slaughter among Coriantumr's people, we note that at the time Ether approached him with a solution to save people, Coriantumr presided over a kingdom numbering millions of inhabitants. The record says that there had been slain two millions of mighty men and also their wives and their children. If even half of these men were married and the average family size included a wife and only two or three children, There there would have been 6 to 8 million people in his kingdom. From the American Revolutionary War through the Vietnam conflict, including the Civil War, wars that introduced weapons of mass destruction, only 652,769 Americans died on the battlefield compared to the millions killed in these final Jaredite struggles where the people died in hand-to-hand combat. That was by uh, Doug Brindley. Verse 3. He began to repent of the evil which he had done, and he began to remember the words which had been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets. And he saw them, that they were fulfilled thus far every wit, and his soul mourned and refused to be comforted. And it came to pass that he wrote an epistle unto Shiz, desiring him that he would spare the people, and he would give up the kingdom for the sake of the lives of the people. And it came to pass that when Shiz had received his epistle, he wrote an epistle unto Coriantumr that if he would give himself up, that he might slay him with his own sword, that he would spare the lives of the people. And it came to pass that the people repented not of their iniquity, and the people of Coriantum were stirred up to anger against the people of Shiz, and the people of Shiz were stirred up to anger against the people of Coriantum. See how anger kind of makes you stupid, doesn't it? Wherefore, the people of Shiz did give battle unto the people of Coriantomer, and when Coriantomer saw that he was about to fall, he fled again before the people of Shiz, and it came to pass that he came to the waters of Ripliankum, which by interpretation is large, or to exceed all. Wherefore, when they came to these waters, they pitched their tents, and Shiz also pitched his tents near unto them, and therefore in the morrow they did come to battle. And it came to pass that they fought an exceedingly sore battle in which Coriantumr was wounded again, and he fainted with the loss of blood. He loses a lot of blood in this uh, episode here, doesn't he? And it came to pass that the armies of Coriantumr did press upon the armies of Shiz, that they beat them, that they caused them to flee before them, and they did flee southward and did pitch their tents in a place which was called Ogath. And it came to pass that the army of Coriantumr did pitch their tents by the hill Rama, And it was this same hill where my father Mormon did hide up the records unto the Lord, which were sacred. And it came to pass that they did gather together all the people upon all the face of the land who had not been slain, save it was Ether. Interesting how uh, this coincidence here that they're, uh, they're gathering to the place where Mormon buried the record of the plates. Interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it came to pass that Ether did behold all the doings of the people, and he beheld that the people who were for Coriantum were gathered together to the army of Coriantum, and the people who were for Shiz were gathered together to the army of Shiz. Wherefore, they were for the space of four years gathering together the people, that they might get all who were upon the face of the land, and that they might receive all the strength which which it was possible that they could receive. I hope that they're not gathering Nephites too, that would be bad. And it came to pass, that when they were all gathered together, every one to the army, which he would, with their wives and their children, both men, women, and children, being armed with weapons of war, having shields and breastplates and headplates, and being clothed after the manner of war, they did march forth, one against another to battle, and they fought all that day, and conquered not. And it came to pass that when it was night they were, they were weary and retired to their camps. And after they had retired to their camps, they took up a howling and a lamentation for the loss of the slain of their people. And so great were their cries, their howlings and lamentations, that they did rend the air exceedingly. This sounds like the Laman, or the Nephites and Lamanites too. And it came to pass that on the morrow they did, uh, they did go again to battle, and great and terrible was that day. Nevertheless they conquered not. And when the night came, again they did rend the air with their cries and their howlings and their mournings for the loss of the slain of their people. And it came to pass that Coriantum wrote again an epistle unto Shiz, desiring that he would not come again to battle, but that he would take the kingdom and spare the lives of the people. But behold, the Spirit of the Lord had ceased striving with them, and Satan had full power over over the hearts of the people, for they were given up unto the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, that they might be destroyed. Wherefore, they went again to battle. And it came to pass that they fought all that day, and when the night came, they slept upon their swords, and on the morrow they fought even until the night came. And when the night came, they were drunken with anger, even as a man who is drunken with wine. And they slept again upon their swords. And on the morrow they fought again. And when they when the night came, they had fallen all they had fallen by the sword, save it were fifty and two of the people of Coriantumr, and sixty and nine of the people of Shiz. And it came to pass that they slept upon their swords that night. And on the morrow they fought again, and they contended in their might with their swords and with their shields all that day. And when the night came. There were 30 and 2 of the people of Shiz and 20 and 7 of the people of Coriantum. Can you picture um, Ether coming out at night uh, out of his cave and uh, seeing these people camped uh, and he's going about counting each one? Isn't that what he's doing? That's what must happen. How, how do they know how many people there are? So Ether must be doing a little count, kind of like a ward clerk in sacrament, who counts the people in attendance. No, okay, not a good analogy. I get, I get that. Okay. Verse 26, And it came to pass that they ate and slept and prepared for death on the morrow, and they were large and mighty men as to the strength of men. And it came to pass that they fought for the space of three hours, and they fainted with the loss of blood. And it came to pass that when the men of Coriantumr had received sufficient strength, that they could walk, they were about to flee for their lives. But behold, Shiz arose, and also his men, and he swore in his wrath that he would slay Coriantumr or he would perish by the sword. It's too bad we don't have another Teancum that could come while they're sleeping, huh, and kill them while they're in their sleep. Just an idea. 29. Wherefore he did pursue them, and on the morrow he did overtake them, and they fought again with the sword, and it came to pass that when they had all fallen by the sword, save it were Coriantum and Shiz, so now there's only two of them left, behold, Shiz had fainted with the loss of blood. And it came to pass that when Coriantumr had leaned upon his sword, that he rested a little, he smote off the head of Shiz. And it came to pass that after he had smitten off the head of Shiz, that Shiz raised up on his hands and fell, and after that he had struggled for breath, he died. Not a good picture here. Let's not put this into a movie. And it came to pass that Coriantumr fell to the earth and became as if he had no life. The insane wars of the Jaredite chiefs ended in the complete annihilation of both sides, with the kings the last to go the same thing had almost happened earlier in the days of akish when a civil war between him and his sons reduced the population to 30 this all seems improbable to us but two circumstances peculiar to asiatic warfare explain why the phenomenon is by no means without parallel Since every war is strictly a personal contest between kings, the battle must continue until one of the kings falls or is taken. And yet things are so arranged that the king must be very last to fall, the whole army existing for the sole purpose of defending his person. This is clearly seen in the game of chess in which all pieces are expendable except the king. You can never be taken. The shah in chess is not killed and does not die. The game is terminated when the shah is pressed to a position from which he cannot escape. This is in line with all good traditions of chess playing and back of it the tradition of capturing the king in war rather than slaying him whenever this could be accomplished. You will recall the many instances in the book of Ether in which kings were kept in prison for many years but not killed. In the code of medieval chivalry taken over from Central Asia, the person of the king is sacred, and all others must perish in his defense. After the battle, the victor may do what he will with his rival, and infinitely ingenious tortures were sometimes devised for the final reckoning. But as long as the war went on, the king could not die, for whenever he did die, the war was over, no matter how strong his surviving forces. Even so, Shiz was willing to spare all of Coriantumr's subjects, if he could only <clears throat> behead Coriantum or with his own sword. In that case, of course, the subjects would become his own. The circle of warriors, large and mighty menace to the strength of men that fought around their kings to the last man, represent the same ancient institution, the sacred shield wall, which our own Norse ancestors took over from Asia and which meets us again and again in the wars of the tribes, in which on more than one occasion the king actually was the last to perish. So let no one think the final chapter of Ether is at all fanciful or overdrawn. Wars of extermination are a standard institution of the history of Asia. And that was by Hugh Nibley. Verse 33, And the Lord spake unto Ether and said unto him, Go forth. And he went forth and beheld that the words of the Lord had all been fulfilled. And he finished his record and the hundredth part I have not written. And he hid them in a manner that the people of Limhi did find them. I I envision that he probably put, put them on a picnic table somewhere so that the Nephites could find them. Now the last words which are written by Ether are these, whether the Lord will that I be translated or that I suffer the will of the Lord in the flesh, it mattereth not. If it so be that I am saved in the kingdom of God. Amen. I wonder why he didn't um, follow Coriantum so that he could be found by the people of uh, Zarahemla. Instead of dying or being translated, why didn't he just live among the Nephites for a while until he passed away? He could have been uh, taken care of. Just a question. I don't know. Don't have any idea. Anyway, this is translated material, so that's what's happened. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.